Hello, Lee. Hello, Ronnie. How are you? Oh, all right, mate. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And thanks so much for doing this. Oh, great. Yeah, no problem. A lot of excitement. There's a massive, massive buzz about it. Uh Uh-huh, right. Well, we can't wait to get down there. (laughs) No doubt. Before we get to the tour, just wanted to cover off a few things from earlier on in the equation. And I got to speak to Mick and Keith a few days ago. And I did ask them about the 60s. And in your case, Ronnie, I'd love to know, for example, as you were carving out your career at that stage and certainly heading in the direction you were, did... Did your path cross much with the Stones? Well, it was very funny playing Hyde Park this year because I was around the outskirts when they first played it. When Brian Jones had died and Mick Taylor was inducted, I uh, bumped into um, Mick and Charlie getting out of the car to go and perform. And they came up and said hi. And they said, well, we'll see you soon. And I said, yeah, sooner than you think. You know, I always wanted to be in the band and I did a few sessions that Mick was producing in the 60s and uh, with people like Pat Arnold and uh, and even produced one for Rod Stewart while I was working with Rod and um, we always had a great rapport and then they worked with me in the 74 on my first solo album Mick and Keith and Mick Taylor actually and um, we got really really close then so it was a natural progression really that in 75 I first appeared on stage with them. Well, let's go back to 1974 just for a ticket and the, uh, the recording of that solo album, uh, I've Got My Own Album To Do. Was it always yeah. uh, a walk-up start that Mick and Keith would be involved and uh, contribute a couple of songs as well as some vocals and guitar and everything else? And Mick as well, Mick Taylor? Yeah, it, it was, um, in those days, it was a, a floating personnel. You know, he used to have this staircase full of real characters, everyone from Greg Allman to George Harrison to Mick Caleb, uh, Keith Moon, all different kinds of drummers and instrumentalists. And um, it was a great, fun time, you know, people coming and going. No doubt about it. You mentioned Greg Allman in the mix, the only American in the equation. Have you managed to put your finger on when you think back over the era about what it was about England in particular and London at that time that just created everything that we love so much from that era. There was a there was something special going on then, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a huge melting pot of uh, talent, you know. And uh, well, even today, people like Bobby Womack. I just done this tribute to Jimmy Reed solo tour, and he came and sang a few guest spots, you know. And so did uh, Paul Weller, and you know, it's just great fun to still interchange with other musicians. I still do it today, really. And I think back in the early 70s, when I was making that album, was the epitome of uh, this melting pot of, of talent that would naturally get together. You know, like when we did It's Only Rock and Roll down in my basement, there was me and David Bowie on vocals and Willie Weeks and Andy Newmark on the bass and drums. And... Um, well, actually, Kenny Jones, we woke him up because we couldn't get hold of Charlie. And we said, come on, we got this song, you know. I was working on I Can Feel the Fire, and Mick was working on It's Only Rock and Roll. And, and we did all the, those songs at the same time. And um, it's funny how over the years, a little bit of history goes down through these songs, you know. It's remarkable. Well, it was 1975 when Mick Taylor left the band and uh, you climbed in at the time temporarily, but obviously you had something else in the back of your mind from what you said before. With the album Black and Blue, you helped out. Was what followed then evident to you at that stage? Were you angling for 
what was going to happen? Did you imagine that 40 years later, 50 years later, this would still be going on? Yeah, yeah well, in a way, yeah, the adventure still goes on. I mean, I remember when I first was called up to do the Black and Blue, I was already in their minds in the band, you know. They just said, well, I'll tell you what, Keith said to me, I've got a great idea, Ron. You're in the band, but just let's not tell anyone about it, you know, for for years to come. And we said, oh, okay. So we just sailed on and never really made an announcement that I was in the band, you know, for sure. <laughs> People still refer to you as the new guy. How weird is that? Yeah, 40 years later, I'm still the new boy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you and Keith have formed what appears to be an amazing bond on and off the stage, and uh, obviously with the rest of the guys as well, but there's something about you and Keith that intrigues all of us, and there have been some legendary yeah. and brilliantly bad behaviour along the way as a result. Is any of that mischief still going on when you're on the road? Do you still get a chance to you know, be very naughty boys? Well, it's in our bones, really, you know, <laughs> even though uh, next year we'll see me uh, in my fifth year of clean and serene sobriety. I mean, I'm enjoying life even more these days, and I, I just have to rattle my bones and all the days come flooding back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did the consequences of any of those bad boy days compare to the grief that you copped for recording over your wedding video, Ronnie? Oh, yeah, that's a, that, that was a that sore spot that one we don't yeah, and it's jimmy white to play the next show but anyway i'm getting on great with my new wife sally we're going to be a year on the 21st of december that's our first wedding anniversary well, congratulations yeah it's going to be great and we get on with joe you know very well my my ex-wife and uh, all the kids and they all love sally and uh, so i'm very lucky that's fantastic there's a love of and a gift for painting and art that seems to run in your family as well, with your late brothers also involved in that. How do you rate that part yeah. of your life against your music, Ronnie, uh, creatively and spiritually and deep inside? Yeah, well, you know, the music is such a spiritual release and a help, and it always has been. And so is the painting. It's something I can do on my own and I only have myself to blame. And um, so it's really a fortunate outlet for me you know I'm very lucky to be able to express in paint and in music you've got a whole lot of other side projects you seem to have a very busy life your, your three books uh, the artwork we just spoke about you've dabbled in movies along the way you've had an astonishing amount of musical collaborations and of course there's your award-winning radio, radio and your radio show that's what yeah, my radio shows are really successful and then they went to tv on the sky arts they were really successful well, you know that when you are down here, if you get a hankering to jump in a studio and just sort of play a few tunes for a while, you, you're always welcome here at Triple M. You know that, don't you? Okay, yeah. If we get a few days off, I'll do that. Do you ever get days off? You know, is it just airports and hotels and the gigs, or do you actually get to have a little bit of you time in the equation? Well, we're going to make sure we do, because uh, in the, the old days, it was a, a lot of travelling and hectic. You know, we didn't see any of the cities. But uh, we're trying to plan it more comfortably so that there's a, a lot of uh, jet lag involved, obviously, going from uh, all over the far east, you know, from London, and then down to see you guys in Australia and New Zealand. And um, all that combined, we're taking it slightly easier and spacing the gigs out so we have a little bit more spare time in between. You've been here many times before. Is there something that characterises the Australian audience in Australia and characterises New Zealand for you? I'm, I'm guessing that every country has its own sort of flavour and feel and taste. Yeah, well, it has its own warmth. 
which is only evident really when you're in amongst it. I'm sure we'll get a nice warm feeling from the welcomes that we get from the Australian and New Zealand audiences. It's going to be uh, about time, you know. You mentioned Mick yeah. Taylor earlier on, who has been a guest on this tour, and we're knocked out that he's uh, joining you for the Australian and New Zealand part of the tour as well. Is he there for the entire set, or does he just come on for a few songs? How does that work? Well, in the past gigs that we've just finished, where we've finished at Glastonbury Hyde Park, he was coming on for Midnight Rambler and songs like uh, Can You Hear Me Knocking or um, Sway or, or things, but, um, and Satisfaction. But we're just going to see at the new rehearsals, see if we can't experiment a bit more and include them a bit more. I mean, Midnight Rambler takes on a new light that really sets fire, you know, catches fire. And uh, it is quite an experience to play with uh, Keith and Mick Taylor with the three guitars interweaving, you know, it's, it's really magical. I can't wait to see that. In the past, you've also uh, had, well, numerous people on stage joining you as guests, including, well, we like to call them our very own Malcolm and Angus Young. Do you recall that particular gig? Oh, yeah. We, we did a few times with the Akadaka, as we call them. ACDC are lovely boys. Yeah, they're, they're lovely, really talented uh, players, and uh, Keith and I have a lot of respect for their playing. When I spoke to Keith the other day, I asked him which songs he looked forward to most on stage, and he nominated Jumper Jack Flash, saying that he still hasn't nailed it after all these years. Was he, was he having a lend of me, or do you believe him? Oh, no, I believe it. I mean, I get a kick out of Brown Sugar. It's like playing a different song every time we kick that off, you know. I mean, it might be hard to believe, but some of the songs we have to go back to the drawing board and sort of look at it in a new light to try and capture what was on the original record. It's quite a a thing over the years with all the changes that you go through uh, to emanate the the original feel that was on some of these, the magic feel that was on some of these records. Things like kind of always get what you want. It's taken on a brand new light. We use the local choirs from every town now and, uh, and that just builds, and it's a, it takes a fantastic shape, you know. You mentioned Brown Sugar. Are there any others that uh, rate above the rest? I mean, it must be difficult. It's almost like asking you who your favourite kid is. Yeah, it's a difficult question, all right. Every song, you know, like uh, whether it's the old standards like Tumbling Dice, some of the, well, I'll call them newer songs, but, I mean, the catalogue is so varied and there's such a depth of material in there it's hard to just nail one or two songs you know it's uh, the whole nine yards is um is a total experience and it has to be now i'm seeing it more focused and clearly i mean it's much more of an adventure and much more satisfying when we play them live you know they're, they're really rewarding you know these songs i guess a challenge that you have is to be faithful to the song and to be true to the song, but also to make sure that it moves along and uh, is refreshed and gets a new life every time yeah. you uh, you perform it. Yeah, well, you know, thank God we got Charlie in the engine room there. And Daryl Jones, being the, he's a great driving bass player. Uh, it's just a, a great experience. You know, we've got still got Lisa Fisher and Bernard Fowler on the uh, backup vocals. They're really strong and... Uh, good old Chuck Lavelle on the keyboards and, you know, that's all periphery to the central uh, part of the guitar section and the 
and the vocalist the uh, the continual surprising energy that Mick puts out is uh, not to be overlooked. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, he still takes us by surprise every night. He's a remarkable guy, and the uh, the legendary pairing of himself with Keith, you know, the legendary Glimmer Twins as well. Do you ever have a, a surreal moment, or is it all very much a part of what you do now, and can you still be a fan as well as be there right in the middle of it all? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I still am a fan, and uh, I think we're all secretly fans of each other, and that makes what it, it, you know, being such different personalities, that's what makes it all bounce along, is uh, we genuinely enjoy the kick that, that we get from delivering the, the spiritual vibe in the music, and uh, the interaction with the audience is so magic. And Mick is playing great harmonica too, you know, um, he plays a hell of a harp. And I know Keith really digs that, and uh, we try to encourage that as much as possible as well, his, his singing, obviously, and his uh, stage presence. Ronnie, you're an absolute prince and a gentleman. It's a, I'm really chuffed to have had the chance to speak with you. Look forward to seeing you when you're in town. All right, mate. Take care.